Hello, and welcome to Solid Word Bible Church. On behalf of Pastor J. Curtis Costin, we are delighted that you are joining us and trust that you will be blessed as you apply these truths to your life. Show the way from the earth 
<laughs> to the Solid Word family and to everyone else who has chosen to listen in, thanks again for joining us, gathering remotely Memorial Day weekend. And of course, this is that time when I know for some people, it's the official beginning of summer and we think of barbecue and we think of all these different uh, festive events. And even though we're distancing, we're thinking of how we do it. But ultimately, this particular day, this weekend, especially on Monday, is meant to remember those who gave that ultimate sacrifice um, to keep and to protect our freedoms and those in our military who um, fought hard um, and, um, and their death has been a part of the freedoms that we do enjoy. And so in all the festiveness and the festivities and all that we do and remember, let us remember those who gave sacrificially to the point to where they gave their lives so that we can enjoy the things that we do today. And so that we need to remember that, that, that freedom is not the freedom to do as we want to that we are free to do what we ought to. And so as we look to continue as believers to love sacrificially, that we ought to represent Christ in this world and our freedom in Christ allows us to do that. So this Memorial Day and this weekend, remember the freedom even spiritually now that we have in Christ and that because He laid down His life, we get to now celebrate the freedom we have in Him, and we don't, we don't have this freedom to live as we want to. We have this freedom as believers, as followers of Christ, to live as we ought to, according to His Word and by the power of the Holy Spirit. So again, enjoy this weekend. Uh, happy Memorial Day to all of you. How you doing, Salvador family? It's Christopher Anthony Warner II here. Today we have worship and a Bible lesson for our nursery through fifth graders. You can find that at SolidWord.org forward slash Solid Kids. Enjoy your time with the Lord. The weapon may be formed, but it won't prosper. When the darkness falls, it won't prevail. Cause the God of serve knows only how to try us. My God will never fail Oh my God will never fail And I'm gonna see a victory I'm gonna see victory For the battle belongs to the Lord And I'm gonna see a victory I'm gonna see a victory
Our next chapter in the book of Ruth, I want to thank um, Elder Charles Wright as he wonderfully and strongly um, gave God's word last week. Um, his uh, exposition was 
was both encouraging and strengthening. And I hope that if you missed it, that you go back and you get it, you listen to it, because it's going to help to give you this continuation into this next chapter that we're doing. And so we have seen that God's sovereignly working um, throughout this situation. And we see God kind of working behind the scenes and his providential hand and his sovereign hand at work. <clears throat> and we continue to see that this morning. And that as we close out chapter 2, we kind of see Ruth from chapter 2 as some reworking under grace. That she was one that when she started out sought that someone would have favor on her that she did not deserve at the beginning of 2. And she found that person or that person found her or in essence, God had arranged <clears throat> for her to be in the company of someone that would be gracious as she had sought. And so we see that although she worked hard, it was that grace that allowed her to work more effectively and allowed who she was and what she had sought out to do to bring relief, not only to her, but ultimately to Naomi. And so we see this working under and in grace in Ruth. And the grace of God, of course, was carried out through a human agent or representative in Boaz. And so we see here that God's grace was at work and allowed Ruth to work harder. Please don't excuse work when grace is present. And you better not excuse grace if you're working because the two will go together to produce what God desires to produce in your life. We work as believers today out of the grace of God that he has given. And so remember that as we go along in our own lives and even as we go along in this book, we remember the wonderful grace of God on display. And so as we close out <clears throat> Two, we get also the end of this harvest season, both the barley and the wheat. And you're probably talking about a seven or eight week period for both of them um, for the harvesting to have been done. And we see at the end here, Ruth continuing to work <clears throat> in the gracious environment that she has been placed into and under the gracious work and acts under the gracious acts of Boaz that she goes daily, day in and day out. She is working. There's no big fanfare. There's, there's no big events. God has demonstrated his grace openly toward her through Boaz. And because of that, she is able to come in day in and day out. And she does that. And we get at the end that she lived with Naomi. It just seems kind of this uneventful end but it is a very gracious end in that because of the grace that was bestowed upon her, she was able to go to work daily. And that work ended up affecting Naomi as well. And so she lived with her. She stayed there. She was among her and, and, and just did what she needed to daily. And I would just like to say before we get started on that, for some of you, <clears throat> God has you working daily. And it seems like it may even be this mundane routine and this thing that you just go, it's day in and day out. And actually in this crisis, you may actually wonder what day um, it actually is. You, you may not even realize, is it, is it, is it Sunday? Is it, is it Tuesday? Is it Monday? They all seem to run together. I seem to do pretty much the same thing 
throughout the week. And hopefully this morning it's a little different as you sit down and you gather around the word corporately with other um, people in your home or you are listening differently than what you may do throughout the week. But, <clears throat> but you are going day by day by day and it may seem mundane and you may not realize that you are actually living under and working under the grace of God. <clears throat> because of God's grace on you and over you, you are able to work in the daily and you are able to do that which both sustains you and that which helps others. But do not mistake that it is because of the grace of God that you do it. And so Ruth does this and you get this end of the season, but there is still this suspense because they have been provided for through the grain that has been coming or that has been harvested at this, um, at this particular time, that they've had this grace that was now bestowed on them and it turned into food on their table and they were able to be sustained. But what was going to happen now that the harvest has ended? Now that her ability to work in those fields and to provide for herself and for Naomi that was coming to an end and there's a little suspense. You've already seen God at work and that his gracious hand was there and, and, and now had entered Boaz and he comes in <clears throat> and he becomes this provider or this one that creates an environment in which Ruth can work and be provided for and he helps her out beyond her work and so she gets even more than she has intended but that season is ending and you go okay how are they going to make it from here and so in that pause comes chapter three and as we get into that and as we jump into it like elder charles wright did last week we're not going to read the whole thing through but we're going to go through it as, as I preach this text, as we roll it out, and we're going to see God's hands unfolding. And so as we jump into chapter 3, let us pause and pray and move forward. Father, thank you again for this opportunity, Lord, that <clears throat> we have to once again be in your word. Thank you, Lord, that you allow us to work under your grace and to work out of your grace and to work in an environment of your grace. Thank you, Lord, that, <clears throat> that our work, God, is because of your grace. And I pray this morning, God, that as we go further in the story that you have provided, this account that you have given, Lord, that we continue to see who you are, God, and, and what you do, not only in this situation, not only in this circumstance, but Lord, even in ours, as there are principles from this that we learn, that we glean, Father, that we gain. And so I pray today that you would open our eyes and our understanding, Lord, that we would receive and that, Lord, by receiving, we would then act and we would live out um, by the power of your Holy Spirit, O God, that which you have commanded us, that which you expect of us, Lord, so that we can continue to experience who you are as you intended. And so we commit ourselves to you today. In Christ's name, amen. <clears throat> and so as we, as we get into it, they now have ended the season. 
at least the harvesting part. And there's another part that is coming up, but now Ruth doesn't have any part in that. There isn't any more gleaning work to be done. There isn't any more grain to be harvested. <clears throat> and so now Naomi is beginning to think and beginning to plan. And there'll be four things that we'll look at. Two of them are the same, which are like bookends in this account in chapter 3. And the other two, we'll see, moves the process along. And so what we'll see today is, one, God's plan and Naomi's action. We'll see, two, Ruth's obedience and her courage. We'll see, three, the potential redeemer. And then once again, we'll end with God's plan and Naomi's action. And we'll put this under the title of God, of, of, of the sovereign arranging of a redeemer. We've been looking at the sovereignty of God. We saw the sovereign connection of Ruth and Boaz last week. And we saw in that first one, the sovereign return home. And so today, as we look at the sovereign arranging of a redeemer, we're going to see how God continues to, to, to move things together. And by his providential hand, he is bringing about his plan, which would not only rescue Ruth and Naomi, but ultimately will lead to the Messiah, the lineage of Christ himself coming down and would be part of the saving of Israel itself. <clears throat> and so as we look here, first part we see is God's plan and Naomi's actions. We have to understand a couple of things here as we look at it. That, that God is demonstrating in this chapter that he works many times God will work many times through human agents or human representatives to accomplish his plan. In other words, he will use people who will act in accordance with his will and in, and, and in accordance with his character to be his, his moving on earth. That God uses people, that God uses you and I, just like he is using Ruth, that he used Boaz in the story, People in whom, because they have chosen to act in a godly fashion and that they have chosen <clears throat> to behave according to the word of God or the character of God, God uses them um, in his process and his plan. And so we see here this kind of turn of events. In the past, Naomi has kind of hesitated to act. Last week you heard from Elder Charles Wright, as he was talking, that Naomi did not call on Boaz immediately. And it could have been because of where her mindset was and that depressed disposition and that how she had thought that God was her adversary. But now things have kind of changed and you are seeing a different Naomi. <clears throat> After all that has happened, and remember, God didn't blow her out the water and say, how dare you think of me that way. God just continued to let his gracious hand be seen. <clears throat> he continued to let who he is and actually how he acts and, and his environment of grace win her heart over. Isn't that just like you and I? At the times that we had this wrong perspective and this wrong view of who God is, and that we, we, we view God in one way when that was not the case, when we might have been angry at God because he didn't act in a way that we thought he should, 
or that he would, and that in our anger, we kind of put ourselves at a distance. Although we were still around God, we didn't leave, but we were not close and we thought him to be our enemy. And all God did was continue to let his grace pour out on you. All God did was continue to let his grace work in your life. I know for me, those times with I pushed God away and I discounted him, I stayed at some sort of, uh, in some sort of proximity with God, and, uh, and I didn't walk away from him, but boy, there was some coldness there because I thought he was my adversary, but God let his gracious actions, God let who he is and how he works and his love win me over, and I began to act and to respond differently as I realized God's gracious hand was at work in spite of my anger with him. And so <clears throat> Naomi begins to change. And once where she hesitated to act, she now moves decisively because I believe she's beginning to see an opportunity come about and that God may actually be moving here. And so God's plan really through Naomi's action. And so the first thing I want you to see is that, is that Naomi actually is seeing the prayer that she prayed back in chapter 1 answered. Here's how it starts off. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, should I not seek rest for you, that it may be well with you? And if you turn back to chapter 1, verse 9, it actually has there when Naomi says to the two of them, remember, and, and, I mean, and, and they come, she says, the Lord grant that you may find rest, each of you, in the house of her husband. This is when she was trying to convince them to stay, both of them, Ruth and Orpah in Moab. And she prayed this prayer that the Lord, because she surely couldn't be a part of <clears throat> granting her rest. She surely couldn't have a hand in them gaining husbands after all the loss that she has had. And so she prayed that the Lord grants them rest. Notice here what she says now in chapter 3, verse 1. She says to them, should I not seek rest for you that it may be well with you? It's that same rest. What kind of rest? Rest in the home under a husband. Understand in this society that was a place where they were going to find protection, where they were going to prosper. And even as we learned last week where they were going to be provided for, it would be under and in that home under a husband in that kind of society. And so, whereas she said the Lord was doing it, Naomi is beginning to realize I can actually be a part of the answer to my own prayer. And she does this under the context of a mother-daughter conversation. You can hear the intimacy. Naomi refers to her several times as my daughter. We know that she's her daughter-in-law, but she refers to her as my daughter. <clears throat> and it is this intimacy, and it are these two women, a mom speaking to a daughter and just and, 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 and covering her and looking out for her and wanting what's best for her still. See, she has realized that Ruth has been working hard to provide for her. And at the end of the season, I know she's thinking, some, she's, she's, got to be thinking some, we need to find some permanency here. We've been kind of living, you know, off of what we could get from the land, but 
that was not enough for Naomi. She wanted a permanent home. And you got to believe that in the back of her mind, she was also thinking this could be some sort of option if she does get a husband, since she considers Ruth a part of her family, she calls her her daughter, that indeed this could mean a possible heir when before I couldn't have one. When I was in Moab, the land that is known, the land of compromise, I could not have that heir. But now that I'm back home in Bethlehem, the land of God's, the house of God's provision, the house of bread, I have seen the Lord provide, and maybe he'll provide now for Ruth this husband that will settle her and give her some permanency and possibly give me an heir. And so she says in this mother-daughter relationship, she says, look, she says, should I not seek this? She's thinking that she's going to be the answer to her own prayer. Let me stop and ask, is God wanting you to be the answer to the very prayers that you have been praying to him? Is God looking and saying, great thing for you to ask. Now let me let you get to work in being a part of the answer for that. We've seen that plenty of times. We've called on God for things. And as, as if we said, great God, go and do it like we're sending him on an errand and just waiting for him to come back with the answer. Could it be that God wants you to be a part of the answer? Hmm. And as we get here with Naomi, she begins to realize, I can be a part of that prayer that I prayed when we were on our way home and I thought all was lost and I had nothing to give. <clears throat> I can realize now <clears throat> that I can actually be a part of God working in this situation, which is why I titled this God's plan and Naomi's action. And so we get here, and so she begins to instruct her. She reminds her, is not Boab our relative with whose young women you were? And then she begins to use her prior knowledge and experience to be a part of the answer. She says, she, see, he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. And how that's worded is this very night, tonight, he's actually winnowing. You had to understand that process. <clears throat> you saw last week that how they gathered in the grain, the, the barley and the wheat, and they tied them up in bundles. And then what they did is that they found a place, although arid, that had somewhat of a protection, and it was either this, this, this hard floor, either by stamped out earth or some form of brick that where they could have the grain stamped out, you know, beat out, and then they would now winnow it. They would take that fork and would throw the wheat or the barley in the air, and the wind would blow the chaff. The wind would blow all that stuff that wasn't useful off of it, and the grain would fall to the ground. So you had to be in a place <clears throat> that was going to have some good breeze, but not too strong of a breeze, and it would blow everything away. And so in this particular case, it would be downhill from them. And so she knew that because this was probably a very a nicely breezy night, that Boaz and his workers would be winnowing. This is a perfect time. She used prior knowledge and history to begin to think about how to be an answer to the prayer. God has given you and I past experiences, knowledge, things that he has allowed us to acquire 
and, and, and for us to, um, to be able to use so that we can use it and be in the part of an answer of a prayer that we might have had from before. God may be using the very thing that he has gifted you with, that he has given to you, that he has allowed you to, <clears throat> to develop, to maintain and to grow in, to be the answer to not only you, but be someone else's answer. Remember that when we say we have nothing that God can use in our life. Naomi thought that at first, but now all of a sudden she's using her past knowledge. She knew what barley season and wheat season ended like before she lived there. <clears throat> before they lived, she spent year after year, she knew what that scene was like. She probably watched her own family do it. And she maybe even watched her own husband be involved and, and actually do it over the years. And so she knew what this time meant and she used it to a good advantage. And she says to her, look, tonight he is at the threshing floor. And I like the scene here because, yes, it is the actual threshing floor, but also <clears throat> it is the place where good and, and not good, where useful and unuseful, where the good and bad are separated. It's on the threshing floor. And isn't it interesting that she is going to send her there to be able to see if this guy would be the kind of redeemer that they would need. So far it seemed that way, but the threshing floor, the distinguisher between good and bad was going to happen right there. And there are those points where God demonstrates to us that he brings this threshing floor moment where he distinguishes between what or who is good and what and who is bad, what or who is useful to what he wants to do and those that are not. And so we get, she tells us tonight at the threshing floor, you are going to distinguish something. And so understand that God was using this woman who thought she was empty and thought God was her enemy. He is using her now to bring about an answer to prayer. And then not only was Naomi's prayer being answered, the other thing was Naomi's plan was going to be announced. She had a plan. She had been thinking about this. And she begins to set it in motion. She knew the process. She knew what was happening with the winnowing. She knew that it would be done that night. And then she tells Ruth, wash therefore and anoint yourself and put on your cloak and go down to the threshing floor. But do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. And then she says, but when he lies down, observe the place where he lies then go and uncover his feet and lie down and he will tell you what to do. Look at that process. And many scholars actually do believe a very sensual process right here as well, because <clears throat> Naomi was suggesting this is going to be the place where you could be alone with this man, because she was trying to get to the point where there could be a permanency and maybe even this marriage possibly because she saw the kind of man that Boaz was and he thought that this could be a great place a great man for Ruth to be under in his home and so she sets this 
Here's what she says to her. Really, she says to go, go and clean up and go and make yourself smell good. The thought here is actually very sensuous. Some even believe erotic. She is telling them, go and clean up well. Put on your best. Put your cloak on as you anoint yourself and you clean up and you walk down to there. Some have suggested because of how she was delayed that, 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 that Ruth was to present herself as an option for marriage, but she was to do that in the very sensual and it wouldn't have been out of the ordinary for that to happen way. And so she tells her, go on in, clean yourself up and put on your smell good and go on down and I'm going to give you instructions on how you do it. Don't bum rush the guy. Don't come in thinking it's just all going to be about your looks. She says, I'm going to give you some instruction. I want you to be presentable, but I want you to follow some instructions that I'm going to give you. I know what I'm talking about. This is interesting. Now, remember, before Naomi was trying to convince them with her plan, but that plan was not God's plan. And, 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 and so Ruth pushed back and, and she stood encouraged and she stood in courage against that. And so this time Ruth is realizing that she can work with this plan and 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 what she's saying, let's go ahead and be courageous with it. And so she begins to think, hmm. Naomi, you, you, you might be up to something. And so she <clears throat> tells her, look, I want you to use this process that I have for you. And so Ruth now obeys. She comes and it says in the next verse, verse five, um, and she replied, all that you say I will do. Now, some would have been like, what? Are you crazy? I ain't going to do that. I'm not putting myself in that position. Nah, but here Ruth's loyal, continued obedience and loyalty to Naomi stands and that she was going to trust her knowledge and her process. <clears throat> the reason she didn't respond to her knowledgeable um, um, statement about why she should go back in the beginning is because she was committed to Naomi and what Naomi was suggesting meant that she could no longer be committed to her. So she wasn't listening to that. But this one still allowed her to remain loyal and committed to Naomi, as she says she would. And so she follows along. We see, again, God arranging a redeemer, but it calls for human action based on the experience and the knowledge that God had given, prior knowledge and experience. And it, and, and it was based on human obedience. The answer to prayer to God providing. Keep that in mind. The next time you call on God to provide for you when you sit there doing nothing and the knowledge that he's given you and, and the things that you know that you should be doing, you decide not to. And then you complain to God why he didn't act. And he said, I gave you everything you needed to do to act. But you didn't want to do anything. And so now we come to the point where <clears throat> Ruth responds to Naomi in obedience and responds in courage because this was going to be a risk. Because she told her to go down, dress up nicely. I mean, in other words, wash up, put on your anointing oil, cover up with your cloak. That's what she tells her. Cover up with your cloak and go down. Do not be seen nor heard. You are going to be gentle. 
you're going to be quiet, and you're going to wait until it's just the two of you. Now, some said, isn't that manipulation? No, in this particular case, she wasn't manipulating. She knew the process and was going to use it to its advantage without putting Ruth at risk, meaning at great risk. There was risk involved because Boaz could have said no. But understand and look at what she did. So she follows along, and then she says at the end, and after you lay at his feet, and some really believe, again, a very sexual orientation, I mean, a, 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 a very sexual scene there, that, that she says, he will tell you what to do afterwards. She's telling him, and then trust him for what comes next. The two of you are going to be alone. Now, understand, this is not a rule that we apply in every situation and circumstances today. This was something in that culture, in that time. We're not telling every woman to do that. That is not the instruction here. The instruction that's being given was based on the culture, based on the understanding, and based on the integrity of the man. And it was, again, based on what was understood and perceived at that time. And so she also, Naomi also knew from what she heard about Boaz that this could very well be a man that could be trusted to do what's right and a man of integrity when placed in a situation where it's just the two of you. I can trust him to do what's right. Oh, that we would have people that would be trustworthy, that when no one is watching, you do what's right. Can people depend on you with that? Can people depend on you with others that they love and know? Can they entrust people to you and know that you will deal with them and treat them with integrity and in a godly manner? Naomi did that with Boaz. She goes, he will tell you what to do after. She gave her no more instruction and just said, in essence, trust what he does next. And so Ruth now moves. She goes down. And with those prior instructions as well, she waits, she watches, she waits, and then she moves. And so we see Ruth's obedience, putting her in a position for God to work, but it did take some risk. It did take some unknown. And sometimes God will put us in positions of risk as we obey and follow him. He will allow us to move and to do things, but it may, it may take some courage on our part. And there are some unknowns that may happen as you use the knowledge and you entrust it to God, always keeping yourself in integrity and dealing with people who are of integrity. And so, boy, we see here that as she comes down, she does exactly what she was supposed to do. And it says, so she went down to the threshing floor and did just as her mother-in-law had commanded her. Verse 6 and verse 7, it says, And when Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain. Then she softly, and then she came softly and uncovered his feet and lay down. <clears throat> and you see here two sides of Ruth. Ruth was a woman who was strong. She carried all that grain back when he first gave it to her. The woman knew how to work. 
The woman knew how to handle what was put in front of her. She was strong. She was determined. She was one who was devoted. But you see the side where it says she came softly. See, just because you know how to work doesn't mean, sister, that you don't know how to be soft as well. And that she said that she came gently. She came softly. She didn't come in and be like, come on, let's get this thing going on, Boaz. No, she came and she did. Now, remember, Naomi didn't tell her to come softly and lay. She just told her to go lay. But, but, but Ruth had some sense about her that if this, you know, if this brother is laying here in the arid, you know, in the coolness of the night, and it gets cooler as the night goes on, <clears throat> I'm not just going to throw the covers or I'm not just going to throw his garment off that he would have covering himself and then just lay surprising but she said, I'm going to go gently and softly. And I love that attitude about her. Strength and gentleness all in one. And she comes up and she does as she says, and she lays there and she waits. I wonder if she said, OK, God, how long is this going to take? We don't know, but we know at some point, at some point, and this moves us into the potential redeemer. At some point, Ruth, I mean, Boaz was startled. And so as he was startled, he now awakens. And when he does, remember now, before in the earlier chapters, he asked whose servant, whose young woman that was. When he wakes up and sees someone at his feet or someone covered up underneath, he goes, who are you? And he's startled. He's surprised and he's wondering, who is this here? He probably knows the situation and the scenario, he's probably had to hear about that before. This isn't something new that one does, but he says, who are you? In essence, in a, wow, why are you here? Who are you? Now, remember, Naomi says, Naomi says, he will tell you what to do. But Ruth goes off script here, and I'm going to put this in before our first point about a kinsman redeemer. Ruth goes off script. Because remember, she is to wait for what he is to tell her. And all he does is ask a question. Verse 9, he says, who are you? And she answered, I am Ruth, your servant. But he asked who. Ruth goes further and takes again an opportunity that she sees there. She knows that Naomi is trying to set up a permanent home for her. She knows that Naomi is trying to get an answer of rest <clears throat> to her prayers. And so Ruth, knowing that, Ruth being the wise woman that she is and is in a position because of her obedience and her loyalty to Naomi, she says to, she says out loud to him, she goes off script and she says, Nelly and my Ruth, your servant, spread your wings over your servant for you are a redeemer. Ruth cuts right to the chase. She's like, I'm not going to wait for him. I know Naomi said the wait, but boy, his startledness and the opportunity that I have here, I'm just going to take it. I love, again, this devotion, this courage, and this gentleness all wrapped up in one. And she comes up and she says to her, I am Ruth, your servant. And then here's what she does. She uses, Ruth uses a term and a phrase that Boaz used in his prayer over her back in earlier chapter, chapter 2, when he said, 
you know, that, that indeed she has come here and the Lord has spread his wings over her, she now uses that same phrase and says, Boaz, you be the one that God uses to answer that prayer that you have about God spreading his wings over me. She goes, you spread your wings over me for you are a redeemer. You are the act on behalf of God in my case. You be the answer to me and to Naomi. And boy, that is again, that is a call out to us that God is calling for us to be the answer to someone's prayer. God is calling on us as his people of integrity to be the answer to even our own, that God enables us, that God gives. And he says, you do what you can, because what you can do may very well be the answer to what I need. And I look at this sovereign arranging is that God using people who are willing to be God's actions, his hands and his feet to others, bringing his goodness and bringing his grace. And so now as he's there, he is startled. And this whole issue of a redeemer, have here a kinsman redeemer, a goel, it is Redemption in several ways, but on three of them that I'll mention as this redeemer, it would be a relative, whether distant or close, <clears throat> and one who was to be able to buy back or to bring back, to buy back the person from slavery that because of a debt that they could not pay. It could be redemption of property due to a debt that they could not pay. And it could be redemption resulting in protection from harm and from people further taking advantage of them because they were put in a vulnerable position. That, resent, that, that, that redemption would be you that are capable and able to buy back, to bring back to us, I mean, bring us back to wholeness, bring us back to where we need to be because of your standing and status and you see we have a need. And from a human perspective, you see here the, <clears throat> the contrast of the wealthy and the person with status in contrast to the poor and the vulnerable. And God caused them to meet. And the wealthy and the one of great status was able to do something for the vulnerable and the poor to bring them back to wholeness. And that's what God calls on us as those that have been redeemed by him to do is that we go out and the status that we have and what God has given us, that we go and look for the vulnerable, that we can come alongside and the poor and we bring them back to wholeness through what God allows us to do. But ultimately the redemption here <clears throat> is a picture of what Christ has done, is that we had a debt we could not pay. That sin debt would never be paid off. We were now caught up and bound in slavery to sin. And Jesus was the only one that was of the status and of all that he had that could pay the price for it. 
And so we see that here is a clear picture. You are a redeemer, Lord. You are the only one who could purchase us back, could, that could bring us back to wholeness. And so we see here you can also, that, that, that which we lost because we gave it up when we put ourselves into debt I mean, under sin, you can gain that back for us as well. And not only that, Christ, you are our protection. Your redemption now causes us, I mean, causes us to be protected, causes us to be covered. And so there's no further abuse because we are brought back. We are bought back. We are purchased again. The price has been paid by you. And so we see the duality there. Boaz as the redeemer for Ruth, a grander picture of Jesus as the redeemer of sinful, sinful humanity, bound in slavery of sin and needing to be brought out. And so she says to him, you are a redeemer. He's a kinsman redeemer. And then he is a gracious and a protective redeemer. And we, we actually see it here when, when he said to her, may you, verse 10, may you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. You have made this last kindness greater than the first and that you have not gone after younger men, whether poor or rich. And he says to her, look, because, and so this, this is giving away. Boaz was probably older and there were a lot of other younger men that she could have gone after. She could have sought her own pleasure. She could have sought her own way in her own life. But this loyalty and this kindness to Naomi, this loyalty and kindness has brought her into a position where she sought him as a redeemer and she wasn't in it for herself. She was in it because of her loyalty and God rewarded her loyalty. Do you see here what is happening? We saw it start in chapter two. The loyalty of Ruth was, 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 was acknowledged and was rewarded by God by the loyalty of Boaz to her. And that God many times will reward your kindness and your loyalty to him and to others on his behalf with loyalty and kindness to you. And sometimes we're looking for God to, hopefully we're not, um, hopefully we're not doing something because we want God to actually give it, something back to us, but we're doing it because we want to be loyal and kind. But God many times rewards your kindness with kindness from someone else. God says to you, when I go out and be kind on my behalf, be committed, be loyal on my behalf, and I got your back. Don't worry about who's going to do for you. I got you. Don't worry about where is it going to come to me. When is it going to happen to me, God? I keep being kind and loyal to everyone and no one. God said, I got your back. Don't worry about that. I got you. When the time is right, I will bring whom I need your way so that they can be kind to you as you were to others. And so... He was a gracious and a protective redeemer. Verse 11, and now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you ask. For all my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy woman. This is interesting. He says to her, look and understand. You've made a name for yourself, not by bragging, not by boasting, but you made a name for yourself by your loyalty in the everyday. Over those seven weeks, 
or eight weeks of the harvest season, you've made yourself known as someone that is committed and someone that is courageous and someone indeed that can be trusted and someone that is loyal. Everyone knows it. You've made a name for yourself without trying to make a name for yourself. You ever be around those people? They so busy trying to make a name for themselves that they can't do anything for anyone because they're so busy trying to make a name for themselves. That's not Ruth. But have you ever been around those people who, boy, their name for themselves that, have, that has been made hasn't been because they've been trying. It's because they've been doing. It's because they've been living. It's because they have been allowing God to use them and to work through them. Think of the people that you talk about and the people that you brag about their character and the people that you love being around because of who they are. It is most likely not because they've been trying to do that. It is because that is who they are and they just bless others and you just love being around them. They've made a name for themselves with you by who they were. God is calling for you and I to do the same. What do people say about you when you are talked about? What do the townspeople, what do the neighborhood people, what do the subdivision people, what do the cul-de-sac people, what do the corporate people, what do the classroom people say about you and your character when they talk about you? For Ruth, he says, everyone knows that you're a worthy woman. <laughs> Almost you're a good catch. He says, I'm surprised you're with me because there's a lot of dudes that would want you. But she says to her, I'm on a greater mission than just my own personal privilege. I need a redeemer and you're it. And so he says, I will do all that you ask. But then he, in proving himself to be a worthy redeemer, and we'll see that in chapter four, he says, but we've got to do this the right way. Now you have a man that is not manipulative. Now you have someone who is not just trying to play the system. He says, we've got to do this right if it's going to be done. It's got to be done that everyone will know that I am the redeemer that I can be if indeed this is what is to happen. And boy, it brings me to that point and to that thought of Jesus when he came about winning our redemption, had to do it and did it the right way. He was going to prove that he was the only worthy redeemer for mankind, that when he would come down in human flesh and that he would take on this dirty body of ours, he would live among us, he would allow those that he created to crucify him, and that he would stay on that cross telling the Lord, forgive them for they don't even know what they're doing, and he would die that death and then resurrect. He was doing it the right way. He was making sure that when I redeemed you, no one could claim hold as a better redeemer. No one could come and say, hold on a second, Jesus, I can do that one better. No one could do it because he went about it the right way and the only way. And so now when he comes to this, he tells her, but hold on a minute, sister. He tells her, remain tonight. Well, first, verse 12, he said, and now it is true that I am a redeemer, yet there is a redeemer nearer than I. There is someone else who actually 
has claim that he can make. And that person may not even have known, but he says, I know that there's one. I know I'm a relative of Naomi's husband, but there's one even closer. And so that we don't make this a deal. And then he comes along and says, well, wait a minute. I'm a closer redeemer. He says, we going to give him the opportunity. Boy, what now comes, the conflict is thrown into the story. <clears throat> Hold on a second. After all this kindness, after everything that's there, could it be that Boaz is not able to be the redeemer that Ruth thought? She had this great plan and it was supposed to work out. But he says, as a man of integrity, we're going to do this in a way that when it's done, it is done the way that it should be. And so he says, remain tonight. And in the morning, if he will redeem you good, let him do that. Let him do it. But if he is not willing to redeem you, then as the Lord lives, I will redeem you. Lie down until morning. He told her to spend the night. And so she lay at his feet until the morning, but arose before one could recognize another. And so she got up and she got up and said, and, and he said, let it not be known that the woman came to the threshing floor. And I don't know if he said that to anyone that might have seen her getting up, but the text says that she got up before people could recognize who was who. He said, so she lay at his feet until the morning, but arose before one could recognize another. And so if people were still groggy and getting the sleep out of their eyes. She was getting up and getting out of there because it had not been done yet, but he provided himself as a gracious protector. He told her to stay. He told her, to, he, I got you. I'm covering you, but I'm going to work out this redemption thing. And so he goes and he, and, he, and he sets the plan in place. But beforehand, he does something that takes us back to the end of chapter 1 as we close this out. That, that, that as this gracious and protective redeemer that is going to do it the right way, he says to her, bring the garment you are wearing and hold it out. And so he held it and he put and he measured out six measures of barley and put it on her. And then she went into the city. And then now we get to this last part once again, coming back to God's plan and Naomi's action. And that that indeed this plan has worked out. It didn't finish as they thought or but this plan is working out. I don't know that Naomi knew that there was another closer, but she knew that 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 Boaz was indeed a redeemer. And so then. He says, and when, verse 16, she came to her mother-in-law, she said, mother-in-law said, how did you fare, my daughter? Then she told her all that the man had done for her, saying, these six measures of barley he gave to me, for he said to me, you must not go back empty-handed to your mother-in-law. I'm going to take you back to chapter one when Naomi was bitter. And she says to them in verse 21, when she told them, do not call me Naomi or Pleasant, but call me Mara. She goes back and it says in verse 21, I went away full and the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has testified against me? I got to stop right there. She says, the Lord has brought me back empty. I could just hear God clearing his throat. <clears throat> Wait a minute. I don't do things like that. If I if I if I do have a time when you're empty, it's because I'm doing something in your life. But 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 I'm not going to be known as a God who leaves you empty. 
What did Boaz say to her? And in essence, what was God saying to Naomi? Because understand, Boaz said, I'm going to give you this, not so that you will go back empty. He says, I don't want you to go back to Naomi empty. Boaz probably doesn't even know what he was doing. God was going, Mama, I'm not allowing you to stay empty. I want you to know that I fill you up, that when I'm involved, I bring fullness, not emptiness. And so he, God had arranged through Boaz to come back to Naomi full because he was showing her how he was about to completely fill her with what he was going to do in the next chapter. Some of you are thinking here that God has left you empty and God is beginning to show you through the gracious hand of others that he's not leaving you empty. He's not your adversary. Naomi was beginning to see now and she was understanding clearly, I got it wrong. God was not my adversary. He's actually been my advocate all along. I couldn't see it. And when she came back and showed her that grain in her cloak and said, he said he didn't want you to be empty. I can just imagine Naomi going, oh my goodness, I got that wrong about God. I thought he was bringing me back empty when really all he was doing was bringing me back into position because I had been out of position and now he's filling me up. Wow. Wow, amazing that when you come back to God, I'm not telling you God's going to make you rich and going to fill up your pockets. I don't know what he's going to fill you with. But I know that when you get back into where God is providing and put yourself under God and put yourself in position under God, God can fill you however he chooses. And so now he does that and he fills her and again, God's plan and Naomi's action is now beginning to come into full swing. And Naomi now says, wait, my daughter, until you learn how the matter turns out. For the man will not rest, but will settle the matter today. And understand, she was speaking what God was doing. She was now understanding that God was in play. And that even though there is another redeemer, he says, look, look, she's he's going to work it out. He won't rest until it's done. Oh, my goodness. If that is not how the Lord is to us, when he saw humanity and that plan was already placed in motion, we know that before the foundation of the world and that God would not rest, he would work all throughout humanity and he would work down through the ages and that Jesus was coming in all that was before him. The scripture says that he was a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. But he would not rest until he got to the point where he could square the deal away and cause you and I both to become redeemed. He would do all that was necessary and would do it the right way. And so he set that plan in motion that would one day be fulfilled. And now, of course, it is. And so we're seeing here that she says to her, wait. I wonder if Ruth was a bit restless. I did everything you said and he didn't redeem me. She said, wait. Because you're back home. He said, I'm going to finish this. I'm going to do this. And in essence, what Naomi was couching this all in, she started this plan out 
with a thought that she had, which was prompted by God. And she finished this chapter out with a message that she had that, again, I believe was prompted by God. And what does she get? She gets, wait, God ain't done. Or she says, wait, Boaz isn't done. This is going to be, this is going to be resolved today. When God moves, he can move quickly. Some of us are thinking, well, if God moves, how long is it going to take? Not your business. May not, God may be working on something that will be done before the day is done, or he may choose to take a little while. The issue isn't ability. The issue is his choice and his will. It's up to him. He is the one that is all-powerful, and he works out as he wills. In this case, he, Naomi knew it's going to be resolved today. Before the sun sets, this will be resolved. Naomi is now probably breaming with hope and going, oh my goodness, I'm not empty. This guy said, I wanted to make sure that you weren't empty. God was actually at work saying, Naomi, do you see now that I'm not leaving you empty? That, that uh, understand and notice, understand and notice, as, as, as Elder Charles Wright and I were talking about this book, he made the point, I'm going to bring it out and, 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 and it was one that was real good. Naomi wanted people to change her name, but the author never changed it. He kept calling her Naomi. And so now she's going back to saying, I used to want to be called bitter. And because I was empty, ah, she's starting to realize, I think I'm going to go stay with Naomi because it's starting to get a bit pleasant in here. I'm starting to get a little joyful in here. And so she's beginning to realize Ooh, God is about to bring this thing. This thing is about to come to an end. And so she says, wait. Yes, she's speaking to Ruth, but I wonder if she's also speaking to herself. Wait, God is at work. And she says, for the man will not rest, but will settle the matter today. The sovereign arranging of a redeemer. Wow. Some questions for you. This was longer today than I normally am, but, but, but this had to be shared this way so it could be seen how God is at work through us with his plan or through humans in this world. Question one, how is God using what you can do in a situation and really do for someone else? How are you to be an answer to prayer? How is God calling on you to be the very answer to the prayer that maybe you're praying or even that someone else has been praying and to someone else's bitterness? Number two, how is God calling for courageous obedience in your life to his instructions? Remember, those instructions for Naomi were in line with what God was setting up for her. Question three, how are you valuing God's provided redeemer. Now, this one in Jesus in your life. Do you see him as the only and, and as the worthy one who has, if you are a believer, purchased you, brought you back, paid the debt you couldn't pay, brought you out of slavery, redeemed you back? Can you see that? And for those that don't know him, can you see him as the only worthy one that's there? There is another no one else will step up to the plate, nor can they. And then lastly, do you perceive God's advocate, um, um, 
excuse me, advocacy in your life or in someone else's life? In other words, where you may have thought God was your adversary, do you see him as your advocate? Or do you see him working in someone else's life as their advocate that you can tell them? How are you instructing others in light of this? What are you telling people in light of what you see of God working in their life? Are you sitting by not saying anything? Or are you now the one that God is using to instruct them and say, wait on God, wait on God, he's going to answer. Don't go anywhere, don't fret. I know it didn't quite work out as you thought, and the process doesn't seem to be finished, but wait. Maybe it's your voice that God wants to use to settle that person. And so this morning, because God arranged a sovereign redeemer, and in our life today, Jesus um, is God's sovereign redeemer for all of humanity, we now can live out of that and be the gracious hands and feet of Jesus himself on this earth, bringing that redemption, bringing that gospel, bringing relief, bringing peace to those that are in need. Will you be a part of it? Will you let him use you? Or are you just going to sit around waiting for someone else to be the answer? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much, God, that you've arranged, God, in this text for a redeemer to come forward. Thank you for that, Lord. Thank you about how you worked through all of this, about how you worked in all of this. Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you've done. Father, we thank you so much for all that you have worked in your plan to get to the point where we could be redeemed, brought back, that purchased our, our debt paid, and that we stand here with you today. Thank you for that. But Father, I also pray, thank you that you have shown us, God, that you can use us to be the answer to someone's prayer. Father, that we can be the answer to what you're doing. Lord, I pray that indeed we would be who you want us to be to others, God, and even to our own answer in prayer. Help us to not sit back, O oh God, in fear, but to move in courage, taking some risks, Lord, as it doesn't go against your word and your way. And Father, allow ourselves to be courageous in being that answer that you may want us to be. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, you may have come listening to this and you realize that you have not embraced Christ as the Redeemer, the one who has already paid the price, as the one who has already purchased your salvation, as the one who has paid the debt. If you have not this morning, this is a great time. In a weekend when we remember people that have given the ultimate sacrifice for freedom, please remember Jesus who paid the ultimate price for your spiritual freedom and your freedom in life itself because in him you find your full purpose and you find that freedom from sin. If you've not done that today, is a great time for you to embrace the fact that yes, you are a sinner like we all were and like we all are. And that you realize that Jesus is your only hope. He is the only one who could pay the price for that sin. And 
for you to be forgiven. And then you repent of that sin and you ask for forgiveness and you allow God to change you this day and to begin to live a life under this gracious and trustworthy Redeemer who will change your life forever. If you've done that today, can you let us know? At the end of this, you will see an email address. We would love for you just to connect with us and let us know that you've done that so we can pray for you and so that we can continue to encourage you as you walk that journey and to join with some people that you know who are believers, who are Christ followers. And so once again, we thank all of you for being with us today and may God bless you richly. You've been listening to a broadcast of Solid Word Bible Church located at 4374 West 52nd Street, Indianapolis, Indiana. And if you made the decision to give your life to Christ, would you please share it with us so we can rejoice with you and also pray for you. Again, thank you for joining us and may God continue to keep you until next time.